Um, first of all, um, I got to pay John back a little bit, you guys. Can you hear me? I'm going to walk the aisle, I think. That's I'm a walker. I hope that doesn't disturb some of you. If it does disturb some of you, I won't be here next week, so you'll be fine. <laughs> first of all, congratulations, Dylan. I did what you did uh, 40 years ago, so great job. Dylan, right? Is that you're getting your God in life? Good job, bud. Um, you can explain that to people afterwards, what a gift that is, what Boy Scouts is. Um, but John and I have known each other a long time. I love him dearly. we both pastor's kids, so we share a lot of that. Uh, my dad taught at Luther Seminary. His dad's been a research psychologist and teacher of our church for many years. In fact, I would not be in youth ministry if it, if it wasn't for John's dad because, uh, you know, when I came out in 1985, they were just starting youth and family ministry. And now, the cool thing that's changed, you guys, and you hear it first from me, I've been a youth and family pastor, the first one in southeastern Minnesota district almost 33 years ago. Now it's changing. It's not youth and family anymore, but what we're seeing now, and you guys are on the front end of it, we're doing youth and family and mission, or what I like to say, family mission, because there's enough programs for kids and families now than there ever were before. In fact, when John and I did youth ministry almost 30 years ago, um, church camp was the only thing. Now there's all kinds of stuff going on. And so you, we, what we're realizing is how we do outreach in the community. And what John told me, which I really appreciate, brothers, I heard it for the first time, what we want to do now is flip it, where pastors and, and administrators will take care of running the church, the business of the church, so you guys can go out and love the community. Be what I like to call conduits for Christ. Or hooking it to the Bible today, Ruth and Boaz. You guys are going to be Ruth and Boaz in the community, all right? That's something that you get to do. And you don't have, and I apologize for you oldsters here, including me. We sold you a bill of goods. We did. We said, you've got to figure out how to volunteer to your church. We're going to take your kids and teach them. And now we're realizing that, no, parents are the spiritual leaders in the family. Grandparents are the spiritual leaders in the family. And now you get to go out and share that with your family of origin, with your family, with the people in your neighborhood. It is an exciting time to be a church right now. But for oldsters like me, the it's going to be drastic because there's not going to be churches that can afford full-time pastors. John told me he's going uh, three-quarters time because he's starting to get some other people in here. What a great gift. He's willing to do that for you guys. Uh, they at Oak Grove, I've been there 25 years. They can't afford me anymore. Can you imagine what Oak Grove has done, John's church that he grew up in, that I haven't been a part of, where his dad taught me? I've been there 25 years. I have grown into a position that is incredibly gifted and radical for Richfield, the city of Richfield. As I've been there longer, I moved from being a youth and family pastor into more of a community pastor where I work with youth. John and I were trained with a group called Young Life. Is that you go where they are. We don't want them to come here. Of course, it's nice to have people come to church, but look around, people. It's happening. Everybody, my church, your church, even some of the big corporate churches, it's happening. People aren't coming. You know where they are? They're standing in line at Hazel's when I drove by. That's one of my favorite restaurants. I got here early. 
The first world problem, you guys, I'm grumbling about the detours of life. <laughs> I can't take 35W up to Johnson and get off. I've got to go through. It was amazing where Siri took me to get here. It was just amazing. Are you guys know what I'm talking about? Because some people, like my kids, Dad, do you know what Instagram is? You know, shut up, all right? You know, I'm a technical immigrant. I'm not a technical native. Thanks for laughing back there, tech guy. All right, here we go. Now we're rocking and rolling. But old people like me don't understand that you have GPS and somebody talks to you and tells you to turn here. And then it told me to get out of my car and spin around three times. I don't know why. Maybe they're just making fun of me. That really didn't happen, okay? All right. So I got the opportunity on this beautiful morning to drive through my neighborhood, Cedar Avenue by Lake Nokomis, down Cedar through funky neighborhoods, right? Phillips neighborhood, went by Little Earth. You know about that place. It's pretty scary, right? You don't want to go over there. I was able to pray the whole way through. What a gift that this community that we live in. Then it sent me someplace I don't even, I've never been before, some frontage road over by the University of Minnesota where I went to school, down 19th, and then in Ulysses. Where's Ulysses? I don't know where that is, but I listened to Siri. And then Johnson, I didn't even know Johnson didn't run alongside the freeway. And then in beautiful Northeast, driving through here, this great city uh, community that you guys live in, what a gift. And the community's changing. What a gift you get to be a part of. Some of you live out in Blaine, right? Audrey does. Who else drives all the way in from Blaine? Or, okay. Well, you got weirdos and changes out there too, right? Everybody does. All right. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to complain about the detours of life? Or are you going to enjoy the ride? That's what I was trying to do this morning. And that's what God called me really out. Bryce, quit your grumbling. It didn't take as long as I thought, and I saw, I saw neighborhoods and, and, and properties that I'd probably never go by. Saw some lady smoking a heater on her step, waved to her, she waved back. People are running their dogs around your beautiful neighborhood, said hi to them, and they go, what's this old guy sitting on a bench in front of this church doing, you know? Why is he talking to me? That's the other thing, oldsters, like you and me, okay? People, especially young people, know that you're old and that you like to talk, so you can strike up a conversation with them. And don't worry about it. They'll enjoy it. And if not, they'll just get on their phone and walk away from you. Who cares? You see how grumpy we get about our world not going our way? That's why Dig Ruth, I'm sure you heard about her, giving up her life, you know, the famous owl lodge where you lodge, or I'll live where you live, or wherever, you know. You heard that last week. And now you get to hear about Ruth and Boaz. You know what Ruth means? Yes, compassionate friend. Do you know what Boaz means? No. Okay, good. Anybody? It means strength, power, and that fits, doesn't it? Boaz was this famous, uh, you know, landowner, and he could walk around, be the power, and the Breaker of deals. Uh, where's Allison? Is she still here? Yeah, Allison did a great little message. But that's the this lesson, and that's one beautiful level about this. 
Boaz is the wealthy, wealthy man, and if you're a woman, you fall down at his feet, and you go, oh, thank you, you know, mercy. That's beautiful. Bugs me a little bit, because my wife and John's wife are more Boaz than they are Ruth, okay? <laughs> well, you guys laugh. You mad, Heidi? You don't mess with Heidi, man. I, don't, I dare you to come up to my wife. She just closed a deal, $50 million deal with her company, and she's kicking some of these uh, attorneys in Vancouver and China. She's just not hurting, but she's very direct and very powerful and precise, right? So I don't think we got to get into gender stuff with this. Hope you're tracking with me now. My daughter talks about gender neutrality. Sort of makes me feel a little squeamish, right? But I grew up in a different culture. Right now, gender is fluid. So we got to be careful about what we do, right? And a little side effect. Bryce, I looked that up. It means incredibly handsome and good-looking and smart. You're laughing. Dude, what's your name? I want to tell you what your name means. You're laughing at me. And John's name means bathroom. Did you know that? Oh, that's terrible. Do you know... The real one is graciousness of Yahweh. Isn't that beautiful? Graciousness of Yahweh. Did you know that? Daddy. Okay, of course. All right. Yeah, our uh, great, our gift from God. So um, I was doing a little study for this. Uh, do, I, we don't have a clock around here, so I'll just have to watch my time. How much time do I have? Another forty-five minutes? No. Oh, oh is it only? You only do ten. Oh, crap. Okay. 15 minutes? Okay, thanks. All right, got to keep it tight. Got to keep it tight. That sounds like a rap song. All right. Um, I was doing some research about Boaz, and I came across this little video on the Internet. You guys know what the Internet is? Right. Yeah, all right. God, where is my Boaz? And I thought, oh, here we go. And sure enough, it was really cheesy. It was done by some beautifully conservative Christian, and she was telling us, about how, you know, uh, how do you find your Boaz? In other words, your wealthy landowner or somebody that's a good husband for you. And it was really fun. And she had some good points. 100 pages of four and a half stars she gave it. And she talked about God's providence and power. And I think that's where something is going on here. But once again, this is using that story as a moralistic sort of emotional Christian sort of story so that if you are uh, bow down before the merciful God, God will give you whatever you want or save you. Now, I don't know about your experience, but that isn't the God of the universe that I know. I mean, that's good. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. But this is so much deeper. This story is so much deeper than that. What's deep about it is that God uses our powerlessness and our power, our Ruth, our compassionate friend, and also our power, right? God uses both of that in our lives and in our communities. And we get to be a part of that, that beautiful sort of gift. So Ruth and Boaz rock, not because they are tripes, or excuse me, tropes, uh, they become sort of models of how men and women need to act as much as this is what is in the heart and the soul of the God of the universe, this love that is underneath everything in your and my life. 
And I also kind of dig what, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ruth and Naomi especially is talking about is this covenant kinship redeemer. That's in the translation. It's not in your translation that um, Cheryl read, but it's in the translation of uh, Peterson's paraphrase. It's beautiful. And what that means is there was a law in the Jewish time that you had to take care of these people. These people like mothers and brothers-in-law who lost their men. Their men. It was really about men then, right? And now that isn't the case. That's not the case in my family and probably not the case in your family. But there was a law back then. And so Yahweh, the God of, the, God of the Jews and the Israel said, I'm going to be your covenant redeemer. And then... God, in his great wisdom, in her great wisdom, remember, it's not about gender, it's about this love. God, in the great wisdom, said, hey, you know, you people still aren't getting it. You people are still missing it, so I'm going to send something that's going to be the final done deal, and that is my son, Jesus Christ, and Christ will be your covenant. Christ will be your covenant redeemer in everything in your life. No matter the, what goes on. And don't you, I mean, don't you just dig Ruth? I mean, she's a nobody. She's an immigrant. She's an outsider. She feels like she's, she's, no, she's out of it, right? Who does not go through that sometime in their journey of their life? My wife's going through that right now. She doesn't feel valued. She's working for this company. She doesn't feel valued. Uh, by me because I'm not listening to her also she feels like she's an outsider right and that's nothing I can do about that something between her and God to work out I can definitely affect that by how I I behave with her but that's going to be her journey to understand how God loves even when you're an outsider even when you're irrelevant even when you're a nobody in fact, I would make a case, and I think the scripture backs me up on this, that's where God really starts working in your life. When you're broken and you realize that you're a nobody, because it isn't about you, it's about Jesus Christ, and he's already said, you are mine, you are a child of God, and wait for it, you are connected to me. Not by blood, but by adoption. Who's got adopted kids around here? Anybody? I don't know if you believe this. I sure do. My friend told me that. She says that she likes being a mother of an adopted person because what she can't do is she can't look into her life and let her negativity going, oh no, she's got these genes, she's got this. Doesn't mean that there aren't issues with any child, whether they're adopted or biological, but what happens is, is she said, I have to discover the beautiful child of God that's in my adopted son, and I cannot judge it. He's this way because of his family, or he has got my eyes, or my problems, or whatever. And that's what God does with us. We're all adopted, and Jesus is part of our heirs. want to look up Ruth in the Bible, but it comes. I kept on, I couldn't find Ruth. I've been 
a seminary student and pastor for all these years, and I still have to look up in the index, so I'm admitting my fault. Where is Ruth, you know? And I'm looking back in the little spiritual biographies and everything. Ruth comes right after where? Okay, who knows their Bible? Comes after Judges, right after the Pentateuch, which is the Torah, and then you have, ah, sorry, Megan, do you remember? I wrote it down. And I, I don't remember either, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up, John. I got it. I wrote it in my notes. Hang on, hang on. Be patient. Here it is. I know. Uh, yeah, comes after Joshua, Torah, Joshua, Judges, and look at listen to all these famous people: Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Samuel, David, uh, Solomon. And right after all those famous people comes some nobody named Ruth, a woman, an immigrant, a nobody, no power, had to go around getting the extras off the fields, begging, pleading, a nobody. And she is the great-grandmother of David. And David's, who's in David's spiritual tree. Yeah, Jesus. That's what God does for us, you guys. That's why Bo Ruth and Boaz rock and roll is because they remind us that no matter how little or how how little or how messed up or crazy our story is, it's connected to the big story story and it's irreplaceable because God uses you in your uniqueness to be this love bearer, this conduit for Christ. Luther uses the word little Christ into the world. You get to do that. You don't have to. You get to do that. And you do it naturally out of your connection with God that chases you back into the community. Praise be to you, O Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.